Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. What's up, guys? Welcome back to this week's episode of the show. Today, I had the absolute pleasure of having a conversation with an absolutely phenomenal guest in Dr. John Demartini, who is considered one of the world's leading authorities on human behavior and personal development. In 2020, throughout the coronavirus lockdown, I sat down and read The Secret by Rhonda Byrne, and Dr. Demartini was a contributing author, and um, a lot of his content resonated with me a lot, and um, it's had a big impact on me, along with people all across the globe. He's an author of 40 published books. He, you know, he's the, the founder, or I guess he trademarked the methodologies in human development, such as the Demartini Method and the Demartini Value Determination. Um, this conversation was incredible. I, I'm, I'm very appreciative of John's time, and I know you guys are going to take a lot of value from today's episode. So if you do, please do take a screenshot of today's show. Post it up on your Instagram story for me. Tag myself, tag Dr. D. Martini. I'll have the link to his socials and everything that you can find in regards to his type of content in the show notes today. Um, but again, an absolute pleasure to chat with uh, Dr. D. Martini, and I hope you guys enjoy today's conversation. So let's get stuck into the chat. Dr. John D. Martini, welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Mate, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, you know, I, I kind of, I'll start off by saying I went, started going down the path of, I guess, personal development and self-mastery probably three to four years ago. And over, over those years, I've definitely come across your content a number of times and it's, it's always resonated with me. And it was funny, I'd heard about, um, about The Secret, the book, The Secret, a number of times. And for whatever reason, I just hadn't, um, up until last year, hadn't read it yet. And it was, uh, it was gifted to me last year and I, um, I read through it and, and it just it kind of, I absolutely loved it. I mean, it, we were in the middle of, I think it was the start of lockdown here in Australia and um, in Melbourne, it was pretty heavy. We, were, we were, probably had the harshest restrictions out of everyone here in Australia and I just loved the book and it was funny, you know, like with the law of attraction, I, I said to myself after reading it, I said, you know, I'm going to get Dr. John on the, uh, on the podcast at some point. And, um, it was just awesome this year when the opportunity come about. So I'm really appreciative um, of you coming and joining us today. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Sticking on the topic of the law of attraction, um, you know, listening to a number of different interviews you've done and, and, and bits and pieces of your content, where do you think people go wrong with the law of attraction? You know, those that might read the secret and, and finish the book and go to themselves. All right, cool. Now that I know what the law of attraction is, you know, each day I'm going to wake up and just say to myself, you know, it might be, oh, I want to be a millionaire tomorrow. I want to be a millionaire tomorrow. And it just doesn't happen. Where, where are people going wrong? And what's the misconception there with um, the secret and the law of attraction? Every human being, regardless of age, gender, or culture, lives moment by moment with a unique set of priorities or values things that are most to least important in their life. Mm. Whenever they set goals and intentions that are aligned and congruent with what's highest on those values, the real priorities of their life, the thing that's deeply spontaneously emerging in their mind, they increase the probability of achieving it. They increase the probability of perceiving opportunities surrounding them in line with it. And they have more synchronicity and more what looks like to be the law of attraction because of it. Yeah. And when they're willing to do high priority actions 
that are in the direction of that outcome, they increase the probability of achieving it. I had people after The Secret came out, watch the movie like 20 times, read the book like six times. And they, they said, you know, what am I doing wrong? I go out to my mailbox every day expecting a million dollar check to appear in it. And I said, well, that is possible, but remotely improbable. <laughs> it's way more probable if, if you go out of your way and find out what's deeply meaningful that you would love to contribute and make a difference in the planet with and find people that will be served by that and care enough about humanity to have a sustainable, fair transaction with them in a remunerable way where you get paid for doing a contribution that serves them, that inevitably serves you, and then have a high enough value on wealth building that a portion of that proceed that you receive is invested in assets that begin to work for you. So your money is not something you're a slave to, it's something you're a master of. You increase the probability of doing it. I did not become financially independent uh, hoping for some outcome to occur. With your I fingers did it crossed by, every, every morning when you woke up. Yeah, I didn't do that. I did it because I worked, served, saved, invested, and kept buying assets and was patient long-term to allow those assets to utilize the eighth wonder of the world, which is compound interest, to now work for me. And now my investments make me more money than I do working. And I patiently got to that point. But that's, that's because I valued wealth, I valued serving people, and I valued myself. So all three of those together do actually yeah. give an outcome. You mentioned now values and how important they are and you know the value determination process why why is that so important and do you think in your opinion is that something that so many people are missing like you've just said and you know i myself being in the health and fitness industry i often see people or have people come to me and tell me that they want to lose body fat or they want to build muscle mass but their actions aren't aligned with their you know their their goals because they don't actually have their values in the right order they're not they're not aligning their actions with their values so what is the value determination process for those that don't know what it is and why is it so important? Well, just like a young boy who loves video games, which most people can relate to, you don't have to motivate him to do his video game. He spontaneously gets up and loves and does his video game. You might have to motivate him extrinsically for doing his homework, his chores, and his cleaning his room, but not his video game. Everybody has something that's so high in their values that they spontaneously act and they don't give up and they persevere and they achieve it. Mm. But the second you have a little bit of an infatuation with somebody else or an intimidation by somebody else and you think, oh my God, I need to get in shape. I could lose my boyfriend or girlfriend or I need to do that because I, I, it'll help me make me more money or something. The second you create a little whim, a little bit of fantasy and an injected value of outside, you know, people that you have admired and try to envy and imitate somebody that's not really truly in your hierarchy of values, the highest value, you self-defeat. You will, you will have immediate gratification searching. And so what will happen if it doesn't happen, a quick response, mm. you know, you're going to give up. And as you know, um, you know, getting in, 
magnificent shape like yourself takes a bit of work. <laughs> yeah, it does. You, you know, you're, you're disciplined on your diet, you're disciplined on your routine, you're working out, you're contemplating it, you're studying it. You, th these are all the signs you really value something. I mean, I, I'd like to go over those. The reason I put this on my website is because I found that every one of your decisions, every one of your perceptions, every one of your actions is based on what you value most. So knowing what that is, is knowing yourself. And then being willing to live by priority according to that is being yourself. And you'll end up loving yourself if you do that. Mm. So we, it, it's a waste of time to set goals that are not congruent with what you really value because you're going to self-depreciate because you're going to procrastinate, hesitate, and frustrate in doing them. And you won't get the outcome. So if you really want to identify what's really important to people, what they'll actually commit to and have discipline on doing, and increase their achievement levels on. You just look at what they're, what I call the value determinants. You look at how they fill their space. You know, in all probability you have around you fitness, evidence that they walked around you and look at your, your personal space and you would see something that would reveal fitness and health and, and mastery. If you look at how you spend your time, you make time, find time, spend time on something on fitness mastery. If you look at how you, what you're energized by when you're getting to work out, you probably got more energy after the workout. You're really feeling refreshed and vitalized by it. At the same time, you probably invest your money into anything to do with maximizing fitness and, and uh, mastery. You also are disciplined, reliable, and focused on it. You're highly organized and probably incredibly ordered in the way you routinely do things. In all probability, you think about, visualize, and internally dialogue to yourself about how you want your life to be fitness-wise and what you want to achieve with it and how you want to look and the way, the, the, the tone, you know, the, the fat ratios, everything. You also probably converse with other people about it most consistently. And people, because they respect you for your skills on that and your mastery of that, they probably come to you for advice and you have conversations very commonly about anything to do with mastery of life, fitness, et cetera the mindset and also the yeah. physical set. And then you also have, most likely you're inspired by people who have achieved incredible things in that area. And you are inspired by taking actions and the accomplishments that you're achieving and the records and the metrics that you're making. You probably also have specific goals that are very clear that you're methodically metricing along the way and achieving. And you love studying, reading, learning about, and watching videos on and anything to do with fitness and mastery or madness, mastery of your body, mind, you're probably going to dwell on and you're going to fill your mind with it. So these are all signs of congruency, all signs of clarity of purpose and direction. And those individuals that are that clear are the ones that increase the probability of synchronicities and the quote law of attraction. Yeah. The old saying is that you get, you know, uh, luckier and luckier, the more disciplined you are towards the objective. And so yeah. you, you know, luck is preparation meeting opportunity. You're preparing for the goal that you want. You're getting the opportunities and you're achieving. And that's a sign of a congruency, which increases the probability of the law of attraction or the secret, you might say. And majority of people are subordinating to other people, fantasizing about others, living in their shadow, putting them on pedestals, envy them, imitating them and clouding the clarity of their own mission, trying to be scattered into being second at being somebody else instead of first being who they are. And that lessens the potential 
of their achievements and their confidence and self depreciates their, their willingness to be a leader and take command. Is that the problem in your opinion with external motivation? You know, we see so often people might read a book, they might go to a seminar and they leave there and they're feeling all G'd up and they're motivated and they're inspired to go out and do something, but their values aren't aligned with what they've just gone and witnessed. Their values aren't aligned with what they've, the video they've just watched. So that motivation doesn't last too long and, and it falls away quite quickly because as you've just touched on, it's not something that they're going to wake up each day and feel like doing without having to be pushed. It's going to feel like a chore. And once that motivation dies off, all of a sudden the actions aren't aligned anymore. That's it. That's it. Well, motivation is a symptom, never a solution for human beings. You will not be motivating yourself to greatness. So motivation is a symptom, you just said. Yeah, it's yeah. a symptom because, because an intrinsic calling, a metier, a purpose, a true inspiration is not something you need motivation for. If you require motivation, a reward to do it, punishment if you don't, it's not important to you. Yeah. I don't need motivation to do my research and teaching. I've been doing it 48 years. I do it every single day. I don't miss a day, seven days a week. I do it on planes. I do it when I'm sitting waiting for somebody in a restaurant. You know, I'm, it's a spontaneous act. Anything that you spontaneously do that you're inspired to do that you love doing and you can see in your mind's eye the outcome you want that is intrinsic, that's where you will excel. In the search of greatness, which is some of the top sports people in the world, the video, the documentary, you know, Ray, Wayne Gretzky and some of the greatest uh, boxers like Muhammad Ali and stuff, they went and looked at their common denominators in their life and they were intrinsically driven. They didn't have little rules about how they did it from somebody else and how they're supposed to be somebody else. You know, I, I got asked by Vogue magazine a number of years ago, they were interviewing me and they asked me 17 questions. The very last question from Vogue was, if there's anybody in the world you would like to be, who would you love to be? And I got this strange <laughs> look on my face. Why on earth would I ever want to be somebody other than me? And their response was like, oh, really? And I thought, <laughs> what an interesting question. Why would any human being want to be second at somebody else when they can be first at who they are? The authentic self that is intrinsically calling from within and driven from within is, is the secret of achievement. I said on the secret where the voice and vision on the inside is louder than all opinions on the outside, you begin to master the game. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You master your life. I love that. It's funny. Literally the uh literally that quote that you've just that you've just read out then is um in, in one of the journals I use at the top of the page and I'm currently on at the moment. And you know, uh, something I heard you say previously, which um really resonated with me, and I tend to see this a lot with clients, but also outside of the fitness industry, we see this so often, is that you know, I think you said something along the lines of like, we want to be masters of destiny instead of victims of history. How, how can we actually do that? Because I see so many people constantly reliving the same mistakes or reliving something that's happened to them in the past. And 
and then they turn that into the reality because that's what they're manifesting in their own life over and over and over again. So how can we change that cycle and get out of that? Well, the way our brain is set up is magnificent. The forebrain is dedicated to objective wisdom, reason, and truth. Objectivity means balanced, even-mindedness, well-being, as Aristotle said. And down below it, in the amygdala and down below into the hindbrain, we're dealing with subjective biases. And we have, in a sense, of to avoid predator and seek prey. It's a survival. So our, our forebrain is designed for thrival and excellence. And a hindbrain is designed for survival and avoiding pain and seeking pleasure. So if we are searching, searching for a one-sided magnet, the pleasure without the pain, the, the fantasy without the nightmare, the, you know, the, the peace without the war, the one-sidedness, the second the other side comes, which is inevitable, we're not prepared for it, and we have distress instead of eustress. But when we're pursuing both the pain and the pleasure, you know, when you go work out, there's pain and pleasure. Yeah. There's the, the push, the, the extra weight. There's the, the breaking of muscles, the development of it and everything else is the pleasure of seeing the tone and result, but it's the pain of actually lifting the weight. Yeah. When you're embracing pain and pleasure in the pursuit of a great cause, you're in a, an objective pathway and you set real goals that have real outcomes. But if you're setting up a fantasy of one side and you want to avoid the other side, when the other side comes, which is inevitable, it's going to seem distressful and you're going to want to avoid it. So you're going to want to give up when it comes and all great achievement, it comes with both sides. And so an objective pursuit is achievable. A subjectively biased survival fantasy creates a nightmare. And that's why and you give up. It's not something you can obtain. And is that what you think we are seeing a lot of now with more and more people trying to get into, I guess, the, the positive mindset of constantly looking for a positive, constantly trying to make, find a positive in, in everything, which I, I think is important, but to the point where people actually aren't even considering the fact that, you know, shit might hit the fan. Things may not work out. Things may not go the way that they're, they're hoping for. So when adversity does come about, all of a sudden they're people not prepared. are paralyzed. Yeah. Well, if you're, if you're dating somebody that's super hot and you're infatuated, you're conscious of the upsides and unconscious of the downsides. And over the next few weeks or months, you're going to discover that they're not who you think. You are blinded by an infatuation. And if you're resentful, you're blinded by the upsides. So positive thinking has a place when you're perceiving more downsides and upsides. But negative thinking and skepticism is an essential component when you got a fantasy in your plane. And many people have the fantasies that they think are goals. And yeah. somebody has to come in there and be skeptical and confront them and ground them and get them realistic. If I said that I wanted to go to Mars and I think I'm going to start me a, a Mars, uh, you know, uh, transport system, it ought to be easy. I want to think of only positive things. Well, I won't be prepared for all the explosions that Elon Musk has had to go through in order to get to Mars. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's had a dream, but uh, he doesn't give up on that dream. He's had explosions, cost billions of dollars. You know, he gets up and he goes again. So I think that having an objective pursuit, which is a balanced pursuit, meditating on the evils, having enough skepticism to think in advance what the obstacles might be and what you can do to solve in advance and preparing for things mm. is much wiser to do great accomplishments 
then hold on to a fantasy, ignore the obvious that's going to come. Yeah. In Buddhism, the Buddhist say, says the desire for that which is unobtainable, the positive pull of a magnet, and the desire to avoid that which is unavoidable, the negative part of the magnet, is a source of human suffering. So I don't waste my time on fantasies. The purpose of the executive center in the forebrain is designed to make fantasies turn into objectives. So you're prepared for both sides. So you have a higher probability of achieving greatness. But trying to go through and live on, try to get rid of half of yourself and try to get half of life and try to get rid of half of everything and only get one side is delusional. It's not going to work. You'll get slam dunked by it. And then you'll think the world's against you. And that's how you become victim of history, not yeah. master of destiny. So when you're sitting down and you're, you're mapping out a plan, you're mapping out a goal for yourself or an outcome that you, that is desired for you, are you, you know, physically or, or mentally rehearsing, going over the outcomes of what, you know, adversity that could come up in that time and how you are going to deal with it. So when it does come about, you've already replayed this, you're already prepared for it and you're not surprised by it. So it's easier to move on and move forward without getting buried down in it. Yep. There's a mag magnificent video. If you can find it, you'll probably really yep. love it. It's the coach of Phelps, Michael Phelps. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Now, now this is the great swimmer with 28 medals, right? Yep. So they're, they're interviewing him and his coach and him are sitting there together on little stools, chairs. And he says that he, in his mind, would run the story, run the, the, the tape in his mind thousands of times. And he would think of, if this happens, what do I do? If this happens, what do I do? Let's say I'm swimming and there's a person that's right neck and neck with me and their hand is splashing and it's throwing a wobble in my, and I'm not grabbing a good pull with my arm. What do I do? Hmm. All of a sudden they're ahead of me and they're kicking and it's causing a disturbance. What do I do? He thought of every possible angle and he ran it in his mind, rehearsed what he would do until he saw a solution to each one. So he had no reaction, knew exactly what to do, rehearsed it, was prepared for it. Nobody could touch him. So it's not because he was just positive, because he yeah. wasn't. Yeah. He thought of every possible thing that could interfere with him winning the gold medals. And then he prepared for every one of those. So if it didn't happen, great. If it did happen, great. So when you can actually take either side, and realize no matter what happens, it's on the way, not in the way. Nothing's in the way. That's awesome. It's uh, I've had a guest on the show before. Her name is um, Samantha Gash, and she does a lot of um, endurance events, a lot of running, and and she was talking about it. And she's very, very much of the mindset of you know taking into account of what what could happen. She she did a run from uh, I think it was one side of India to the other, and what she didn't factor in was the fact that the roads and the, or the this footpaths and stuff would be on an angle because it was so poorly um, done over there. So she started to get all this overcompensation on one side, which is just a factor that she hadn't factored in. And all of a sudden that throws her off and, and the whole game plan has gone out the window. So regardless of how perfect the plan looked at the start, how many stops you're going to take, how many team members you had around you, all this positive thinking, all of a sudden this one factor throws that whole thing off. Um, well, the thing is, crazy, is yeah. if, if you actually are going to run across India uh, today, you would want to get a satellite view of the terrain. You want to actually go there in your car and run through it and take a look at that. Because in India, <laughs> anything could happen in India. Yeah. <laughs> you, you could have an ox, an ox <laughs> walk in front of you, block the traffic 
you know, I mean, I was in Chennai, India one time, and there was a three-lane road, but there were 16 lanes on the three-lane road. Yeah, <laughs> all going there in different a directions. Bicycle, <laughs> a bicycle, a motorcycle, a, a, a cow, a truck, a van, <laughs> a guy on a bicycle with a seat and with his whole family on top of him. Anything could go. Birds, guys walking and riding a bicycle with both birds in his hand. Anything could throw at you. So if you're going to go running in India, you would want to know what's going to be going down. And that would be true because that's otherwise you're, you're living in an ideal fantasy instead of grounding yourself in what's real that's going to be faced. As uh, one of the great astronauts, um, Hatfield, talked about uh, going into space, he said that you're going to have things not go the way you planned. And the more you have those in advance thought through, the less likely you're going to get killed in space. The cowboy out there that's just going, you know, shooting from the hip is not going to live. Yeah. The person who's done his homework or her homework and thought of every possible thing that could go wrong and then more and prepared and rehearsed it. Bruce Lee the same way. Bruce Lee had to imagine in his mind when he's dealing with the actual opponents in martial arts, every possible position they could kick second by second, literally, and have a response prepared what he would do in those situations. Rocky Marciano, same thing. These guys prepared and did things more than anybody else. Rocky was a small little guy. And he says these big guys could just pick him up and squash him. So he used to just punch and punch and punch until they would give out in their lower abdomen. And they would just have bruised ribs and stuff because he was so small. He just kept hitting the, the, the side and nobody could beat it. So he concentrated on his advantage to all the things that they had advantages over. Yeah. So yeah, the, there's no doubt that the individual that's objective, that's thinking of both sides and preparing for both sides is the one that's going to get the result. 100%. And with, is this way of thinking, is this, you know, this, this mental strength, is this something that you feel like you've always had or was there a moment in time, was there a certain um, event or a, a certain thing in your life that kind of flicked the switch of you changing your way of thinking to be able to, to react to things like this and to be able to deal with adversity and, and plan for, you know, plan for the worst, but hope for the best type of, type of thing? Well, I, I, there's a lot of things that play, play a factor. And I think sometimes in my own journey, uh, I was a surfer. You know, I used to live on the North Shore and surf big waves on North Shore. And I nearly died a number of times there. And you learn from those crazy things. Like you might take off on a giant wave and you didn't think that there's somebody closer in on the peak that you're not paying attention to takes on. And you got two people on a giant wave that can be deadly. So you have to think, okay, if that happens, you can't back out of the wave. You're going to go over the falls. You get killed on the coral. So you have to think, how do I ride with somebody else? Do I ride higher or lower? Do I try to go below them? You know, you have to think of everything that could go and that could happen because it can happen. Mm. So those are factors that I think you learn slowly but surely over time. And then you look back at what worked and what didn't work on a daily basis. It's a great question. What worked and what didn't work today? Yeah. And that gives you feedback. And then I think the study of philosophy and the study of your own view about life, the great masters have already known this. So the more we put our hands in the pot of glue with the great thinkers, the higher the probability we, we don't have to go and reinvent the wheel. So foresight and mentorship can speed up that learning process. So it's a combination of learned and a combination of trial and error and a combination of 
of observing other people and what they're doing. Al Chapman, when, when I surfed on the North Shore back when I was a teenager, Al Chapman was a big wave rider and he was an absolutely crazy guy, everybody thought. But I saw him sitting on the beach in a meditation at sunset. And this was giant sunset, close out sunset. Nobody was going out. But I saw him sit on the beach and all these people were going like, Al's gonna go out. And I saw him sit there and meditate for probably 15 minutes on the beach, memorizing how the water was hitting the beach. Was it three waves to a set, four waves to a set, three, then four, then three, then two, then four? What, what were the number of waves? What was the biggest of the sounds hitting the sand? He was looking at the pattern to know what wave that's going to go out, which one he's going to take off on, which one to keep on the side, which one to get in the set. He was actually doing his homework beforehand. Everybody else was running out there and getting squashed and killed out there. He was actually premeditating what his strategy was going out there and doing extraordinary things out there and catching waves nobody could get because he knew by where they were hitting on the beach, the sequence, which wave to take and where to take off. It was amazing watching him. He lined it up, he prepared. The average person wasn't doing that much preparation. The preparation meets opportunity and you get luckier and luckier, as I say, as you do. That's awesome. That's such a crazy experience. We, we often hear on these interviews and, and, and content you see online, all the, all the good things, all the positive, positive things and, and the great outcomes. But are you able to share with us any, any times of, I guess, big adversity where, that you've had to deal with and then the process that you've used to, to dig yourself out of it or to not even let it get you down in the first place? Well, we have control and, and mastery over our perceptions, decisions and actions. So we can sit there and have some event occur and we can sit there and wallow in it. We can run our story and tell people about it. We're not going to get any accomplishment out of that. But if we stop and go, okay, this is what factually occurred. How do I use this now to fulfill my next step? How do I use it? I mean, uh, how is whatever's happened on the way, not in the way, how am I going to use this powerfully to move one step closer to my objective? I had a situation when I was, uh, 18 years old. I was a high school dropout and I uh, was a, lived on the streets from age 13 to 18. And I was a surfer. So I hitchhiked up to California, hitchhiked down to Mexico, then hitchhiked back to California and then panhandled enough money to go to Hawaii. I lived under a bridge, then I lived in a park bench, then I lived in a bathroom, then an abandoned car. I kept social climbing, then in a tent. But I just wanted to ride big waves in those days because I wasn't academic, I wasn't school, I didn't read, I didn't, I was pretty illiterate. And then at age 17, I met Paul Bragg, who really inspired me to, you know, think maybe I could actually learn. Maybe I could be intelligent someday. I always wanted to be, but I never thought I would be. Not that I wasn't intelligent as a sports person, I was pretty good on the board, but I wasn't intellectually, yeah. you know, I couldn't read. I literally didn't read till I was 18. Wow. So I, uh, I moved back, I flew to California, I hitchhiked back to Texas, I took a GED, I guessed, I passed, and I tried to go to school. And I failed my first class. I got a 27, you needed a 72 to pass. Wow. And I really thought, my, my, my first grade teacher in first grade said to my parents, I'm afraid your son will never be able to read, he'll never be able to write, he won't be able to communicate effectively. You know, 
he's not going to go very far in life, never amount to anything. But he seems to like sports. Put him where he can excel in sports. So I did. I just wasn't academic. But I failed that test. I came home. I cried on the floor because the dream that I had to, to someday be intelligent was shattered. And I, and I didn't know what to do because I, I didn't want to give up. Mm. But I didn't see an alternative because I, I felt so low. I didn't know what I was going to, I didn't know how I could overcome that. And my mom said something to me. And this is where a mentor or watching videos is an essential component of the journey. I'm sure you've watched a lot of videos of people that are body built or fitness or whatever somewhere. But I, my mom came home and she saw me crying on the floor and she said, son, what's happened? What's wrong? I said, mom, I blew the test. I got a 27. I needed a 72. She said, son, whether you become a great teacher and knowledgeable and a philosopher and travel the world and teach like you dream, whether you return to Hawaii and ride giant waves like you've done, or you return to the street and panhandle as a bum, I just want to let you know your father and I are going to love you no matter what. And when she said that, my hand went into a fist and I looked up and I saw a vision of me speaking in front of a million people. And I said to myself, I'm going to mask this thing called reading and studying and learning. I'm going to mask this thing called teaching and philosophy and healing. And I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to travel whatever distance. I'm going to pay whatever price to give my friggin' service of love across this planet. I'm not going to let any human being on this planet stop me, not even myself. And it was like a, a moment where there was no turning back. There was no option now. As long as you got an option to give up, you haven't found the mission. Yeah. And I got up, I hugged my, my mom. I went into my room. I got a dictionary out, a Funk and Wagnalls dictionary. And I started memorizing 30 words a day until, and I would pronounce them, spell them, put them in a sentence, make meaning out of them. My mom would test me on them. And we worked together 30 words a day until my vocabulary was strong enough where I could try to read and eventually pass and eventually excel. And I never stopped reading from that point on until now 30,500 books I put in my brain. And I never stopped. And I made sure that I read the greatest ideas from the greatest minds who ever lived to make sure that I had a body of knowledge that would be valuable enough for somebody else to want to hear it and to be able to pay for it so I could do what I love and get paid doing what I'm inspired to do. And I never gave up on that. But that turning point of setback was the greatest thing that I could have had. And so when people get a setback, it's basically testing. Is this a fantasy that you're going after? Or are you really committed? Because if you're really committed, you're going to see that failure as feedback. You're going to see that failure as a catalyst. You're going to use it and you're going to make yourself stronger out of it. But if it's a whim and it's a fantasy and it's not really valuable to you, you're going to give it as an excuse why you didn't and why you gave up because it really wasn't important to you. So it really is testing you. So the challenges in life are the ones that are testing to find out what you're really committed to. That's it. I was committed to continuing on. Now I've gotten to travel and speak in 154 countries and reach 6 billion people with radio, television, newspapers, magazines, movies, and everything else that I get to do. So I didn't stop. And if people don't stop and perseverant is in a relentless pursuit of what they're committed to, they become masters of what they do, not victims of history. That's incredible. That's, uh, that's, that's awesome. And look, John, I'm a uh, super, uh respectful of your time so I, I think that's that's the perfect way to to wrap up our chat today that was that's awesome um so much appreciate i think there's so much value out of what we've spoken about today and um 
I mean, you know, hearing about that story just then, it's incredible to see what you've what you've done and what you continue to do. And as you said before, you know, you don't miss a day, and it just shows that um, this is something that you you truly value, which is awesome. So, thank you so much for for joining us today. Um, I think the audience will all agree they've taken so much away from today's episode. And and for everybody that's listening or watching, if you have taken something away, we'd love for you to take a screenshot and share it on your social media and and tag myself and tag um, John. I'll have his his handles and everything in the show notes below but uh very appreciative of your time today and um thank you thank you anytime thank you thank you for what you're doing appreciate thank it. you so much